Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. I am your host, Martha Reddick, and this week I am very excited because I have on a friend of mine from college. His name is Andy Rogers, and he is here to educate us all about juvenile or type 1 diabetes. Hello, Andy. Martha, I am so Excited. I, I can't stand it. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Um, Andy and I were chatting before we started recording and realized that it had been far too long since we had spoken. Oh, so, 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 so too long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so before we get into like the meat of this, which is type 1 juvenile diabetes. Um, let's hear a little bit about your background with this and with kids, you know, a little bit. About- oh, yeah, sure. Um, so I um, have had type 1 diabetes uh, since the age of 15. So I've had it um, for almost uh, 13 or 14 years now. But that's actually not the first that uh, experience or exposure I've had to type 1 diabetes. My sister, uh, who's my older sister, was diagnosed at the age of nine. So mm-hmm. I've kind of lived with this disease from a family uh, that didn't have to deal with diabetes at all or really needed to know what it was mm-hmm. to a brother to a type one who had to learn how to live with it peripherally to her experiences uh, where I got to see a lot of the biological aspects of the disease state but didn't really feel or connect with the emotional side, the empathetic side, because yeah. it's hard to describe how you go through living with a, with a chronic illness, especially at such a young and vulnerable age. And then uh, I was diagnosed uh, seven years after her diagnosis, and it's just totally kind of flipped my world upside down. And um, it's in, it's really led a lot of my professional work. I've worked with uh, Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation as a school coordinator. I've worked with Nova Nordisk. It's a big insulin production company uh, or pharmaceutical. I've worked with them as a diabetes care specialist. And now I'm in uh, grad school in physician's assistant studies. uh, And I will most likely work with an endocrinologist to treat type 1. 
So it's really and uh, and I wrote a musical. Yeah, <laughs> we, I, I wrote a musical. I just sometimes forget about that. Yes. So I so Martha and I are both uh, theater nerds and musical theater nerds, and yeah. I studied biochemistry and theater at the University of Tennessee. And I decided to do a joint research project where I kind of combined both of my loves, both of my passions, and uh, I decided to focus on type 1 diabetes because I knew it well. And I wrote a musical called Andy and the Beats. And uh, it just, it tells the story of this 13-year-old boy who gets diagnosed with diabetes and what happens afterwards. Because a lot of the times, uh, education and even even art that's out there about diabetes sometimes deals with what happens prior to the diagnosis, the symptoms you'll see, signs and symptoms, uh, but not really what happens afterwards. It's a lifelong chronic illness that is not curable. So from the day you're diagnosed as a nine-year-old or in my case, a 15-year-old, the rest of your life is completely changed. And it's a daily, it's a daily battle. Uh, yeah. So it's, so I wanted to, really get that aspect into the musical as well as a lot of the medical verbiage just to make it more commonplace for anybody who sees it or for any actor. I mean, you might, I don't know what kind of time we have, but for you as an actress to come in not knowing um, about diabetes and then having to expose yourself to all that medical knowledge and, um, yeah, luckily, I don't know. I, I didn't there's have a lot to of things. Say many of the medical terms. Um, <laughs> Martha played Martha played my mom. I I played Andy, a, the a 13 year old version of myself, and Martha and knocked it wonderfully. Out of the uh, not as much as you knocked it out of the ballpark. You just captured the essence of Jenny Rogers. Let's just be uh, honest. I love your mom. Um, she's a good one. She's <laughs> a fantastic one. Uh, I will never forget her bringing Tina and I over to the piano. Or Tina and me, excuse me. I was an English major. Don't worry about it. <laughs> no, no worries. No worries. Bringing Tina and me over to the piano and just working with us on some of those songs because I'm not super musically inclined. So I really appreciate it. I that. beg to differ. I beg to differ. But anyway, yeah. And uh, so I was first exposed to a lot of um, information and doing, you know, some of my own research because as an actress, that's how I get into a role, uh, about type one diabetes, uh, because I was in this show, which really quick little story. So oh, I was, yes. I was working, uh, backstage for the man of La Mancha, which Andy was in. And oh my God. Andy that show. <laughs> came up to me and was like, Martha, I'm writing a musical about diabetes. Would you want to be in it? And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll be in it. But thinking in my brain, like, he's not actually going to write a musical about diabetes. And then six months later, he emailed me a script and was like, hey, read this. Tell me what you think. Tell me if you still want to be in it. And I was like, oh, my God, he's actually doing it. Um, because a lot of times in the theater world, people have uh, ideas and not as much follow through as you do, Andy. And I really, oh, really that's love. Such a nice compliment. Thank you. I love that story. No, I, I, uh, I remember trying to pitch this when I initially when I initially had the idea. I, I wanted it to be more accessible, less like Schoolhouse Rock, which Schoolhouse Rock is awesome, but less like, hey, let me teach you the ABCs and more. Uh, more uh, emotionally 
I guess has a more emotional depth. I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's, yeah. I wanted it to be more of a show that was accessible to anybody, not just I have this disease. I need to see this show. Right. Yes. And I I think you really did that. Um, and but you, you all made it. it. The ca- I still work on it all the time. I just sent, sent you the updated script. I work I on it all the time, but it really evolves whenever I, I have my friends. My friends are the, really the ones that have been involved in it. The first, you, know, you all as the first cast. Um, it helps me bring it to life. I didn't see a lot of what has now gone into the show prior to doing it. And that's like the beauty of theater because it can just change so much. So listeners, if you would like to see pictures from the show throughout this week, then check out Chronicles of Nannia's Instagram and or Facebook and or Twitter, which if you type in Chronicles of Nannia, you'll get there every time. I will be adding pictures throughout the week because we have some really good ones from that show. Um, So, yes, that's just a little plug for checking out uh, our social media. Yes, do it. But let's talk about type 1 diabetes. Um, let's start with kind of the science behind it, which you are so wonderful at explaining. <laughs> oh my God. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah. It's fascinating. Um, so first off, my, my first lesson, whenever I teach anybody about diabetes, I always say there is no you in diabetes because if you spell it out, D-I-A-B-E-T-E-S, there's no you, so it is not pronounced diabetes. I know you're going to see Walter Brimley on that commercial and talk about his diabetes test and supply. And, and, and that's false. It's, it's not diabetes. It's diabetes. That is one of my biggest pet peeves with this disease state. Um, good lesson, right? Very good lesson. And an important one. I might be in diabetes, but you are not, you know? So, (laughs) (laughs) so that's really, that's just really important. If you learn nothing else, at least learn that you will, you'll be five steps ahead. Um, but, uh, so my other big pet peeve is putting type one diabetes in the big diabetes melting pot because 95% of the diabetic population has type two diabetes, which is completely different than type one diabetes. So type one diabetes, um, it's great that you're having it on this podcast because it is more prevalent, um, in juveniles. It used to be called juvenile diabetes, uh, but they've recently changed it because, uh, the onset of diagnosis has fluctuated so much, but because the real, the real marker of diabetes or type one diabetes, um, is the destruction of beta cells. So there's this organ called your pancreas and it kind of sits, uh, kind of behind your stomach. And so it looks like a little fish. They call it the fish organ, or at least I call it the fish organ. It looks like a little fish, like a little cloudy, bumpy fish behind your stomach. And it makes, has a cell called beta cells that make insulin. And I'm sure most of you listeners have heard of the word insulin because that's usually the treat, that is the treatment for type 1 diabetes. So what happens, it's, it's this autoimmune attack. So Most kids uh, that end up having type 1 diabetes will have this predisposition for autoimmune attack. And it goes very into depth with the science with certain MHC receptors and HLA like prototypes and stuff that we don't have to talk about. Basically, you, (laughs) you have this predisposition for autoimmune attack and then something happens, an environmental trigger happens and your beta cells are destroyed. So there's, so through an autoimmune attack, 
uh, these kids no longer have beta cells, so they no longer produce insulin. And insulin is like this key that unlocks this door into your different organs to take glucose out of your blood. And glucose comes from food. So if you're following me, I'm going to do a wrap-up, I promise, because this sounds kind of in-depth. But So whenever we eat, the carbohydrates that we eat from the foods break down into glucose, and then that gives us energy to do things, to move, to run, to think, to make our hearts pump, uh, to make our muscles move. And insulin allows it to go into the different places instead of just staying in the blood. If there's no insulin, it just stays in the blood and accumulates and it starts getting into complications of untreated or undiagnosed diabetes, which uh, is not part of the pathophys. But that's what happens in these kids. So really, we don't know the exact cause, which is why there's not a cure or a way to prevent the disease. Um, so kids will come and they'll see, you'll see kids, some of the some of the early onset symptoms will be uh, just an extreme thirst. They call it uh, polydipsia. You you just you can't. It's like an unquenchable thirst. I remember for my diagnosis, or right before my diagnosis, I would drink three to four cans of Sprite before even touching my food. I was that thirsty, and at that time I was drinking a lot of soda, which doesn't sound that great, but it was like this unquenchable thirst. Um, and you'll have uh, urination on top of that. It's called polyuria. And you'll have frequent ur- urination. You'll be drowsy, um, just this extreme fatigue. Um, you'll see weight loss, which is actually sometimes um, a little hard to find uh with kids at a young age, because they're growing so much, you don't really realize that they're losing weight at the same time. But um, you'll you'll be having this increased appetite with weight loss, which kind of is this telltale sign that something's up. Um, you'll have vision changes. Sometimes your eyes will hurt. Um, uh, a fruity odor in the uh, in the breath. It's a sign of something called diabetic ketoacidosis. Um, and those are mainly the ones that you'll see most often. Okay, so all of this is really good information, I think, for nannies to just be on the lookout for Yes. if the kid is, like, constantly thirsty. Now, if they've been running around in the park and, like, also don't WebMD it, you know? like Right, right. Um, I don't want you to worry if they're, you know, drinking a lot. If they're drinking a lot of water running around, that's not... Uh, technically a sign of type 1 diabetes it, it is a little hard to tell i remember my sister um she went probably a year of having subtle gradual this like almost insidious type of symptoms before she was diagnosed and before we knew anything right. and, and mine at 15 was within a week and i even knew it i told, <laughs> went and told my dad i was like i have diabetes and he's like really he's like i was like yeah Let's check my blood sugar. It was over 600. And I was like, okay, so we have diabetes. It's a little harder to tell when they're in that prime age of diagnosis, which is around like seven to nine. Um, What's so, the so, youngest? Do you know what the youngest oh, anyone has ever? I don't know the youngest rec- 
the actual like if it were like a record, but I know it could be right after birth. Oh, okay. You can be born with diabetes. You can be six months old and have diabetes okay. or type one diabetes for sure. Yeah, just um, curious. I, I think six months old. I'll, I'll need to look that one up. But it can be as young as that. And if so, that's something. They do uh, screenings right after you're born. They do like a heel stick and they check your sugar. They check for like random rare disorders like PKU. Um, so they'll know it at the hospital. Right. But knowing that like thirst, urination, if they're tired, if they're losing weight. Um, like just keep it hungry, hungry, hungry. Hungry. And so diabetes mellitus is actually named, and this is this is an ancient disease. This has been around for a long time. It's actually named uh it's the meaning is sieve. So it's like these kids would keep eating and eating and eating, putting it into the sieve and just not gaining anything and, and draining it out and urinating everything out. Uh, and mellitus, it's diabetes mellitus is like the full name of the disease. And that means honey. So it's like sweet pea, technically. Oh, and that was how they would diagnose it back in the day. They would taste the actual urine and it'd be sweet. Wow. And it'd be a terrible job. Just yeah. a terrible job. <laughs> I mean, I think being a doctor so don't do back that. in Nannies, the day at all. Don't do it. <laughs> anything. I know. Medical right? back right. in the day. Because you're just like, I don't know how to help you. I, right, ugh, we have so much now. We, to even diagnose diabetes or type 1 diabetes. It's a simple finger glucose stick. Right. You can do it at home. So, I mean, that's not something that I would recommend going out and purchasing nannies, or I would not recommend tasting their urine. Just yeah. don't FYI. Do either of those things. Don't do Tell either of those parents. things. Let the parents. Tell the parents. They the will doctor. notice it. They will notice it too. If you, These are actually really good signs of uh, if they're falling asleep in class, maybe if they come home, you get a call from the teacher. They've been falling asleep for without a reason. Uh, I know when my blood sugar is high, I'm usually napping <laughs> in the afternoon. I just fall asleep for out any reason. So always good to look out and always good for kids to continue seeing their pediatrician. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so that is like the science behind it. Thank you for that. You're welcome. I love this. I'm I'm a nerd. I love the science. In the show, I heard (laughs) Dr. Arfe explain it a million times. I still needed that refresher course. So I appreciate it. It's always good to have a refresher. Um so now let's talk about once a child is diagnosed. Um, so either if you are nannying for a child who is diagnosed and you're making that transition, or if you come into a household where a child has type one diabetes, what is the practical day in, day out day of a child with type one look like? Yes. Okay. So there's going to be a couple things you need to be on the lookout for. And one is their glucose monitor. Like we talked about, um, actually, you can diagnose it uh, or diagnose type 1 diabetes from a glucose monitor. All kids, all type 1 uh, patients with type 1 diabetes, just a random side note, they've changed actually what we call it. We don't say type 1 diabetics anymore. We say patients or kids with type 1 diabetes. That's just like you wouldn't say that with other people first. Just yeah. FYI, you can call me a type 1 diabetic. I will not get offended. But that is <laughs> the you. like the politically correct way to say it. You wouldn't say that with other disease states. And so, and so it's it, 
if you compared it to other disease states, it would be odd to call them by that. So you don't have to say, oh, I have a type 1 diabetic. I have a patient or a child with type 1 diabetes. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Just FYI. Yeah, no, no worries. Language is super important, and I so, really appreciate that. Yeah, cool. Um, so at, at the house, you'll have the glucose monitor. So they're checking their blood sugar. The goal of every the everyday goal is to maintain its glucose homeostasis, but to maintain normal glucose or blood sugar readings. So the typical readings you want are between 80 to 120. Um, so that's read right from the monitor. Um, and normally kids will be checking, uh, four to six times a day. So they'll be checking at meals. So remember with our like science behind type one diabetes, everything's kind of food related and sugar from the food related to how your body uses insulin. So what patients or kids with type one diabetes do on a daily basis is do what their pancreas wouldn't do for the, for the. I guess on its own. So they are taking insulin to cover for the foods they eat and they check their blood sugar on this monitor to see how they're doing. And that's really, I mean, in a nutshell, that's diabetes. What is hard, the different confounders or different variables that come in with every day is these kids are a growing up with changing hormones, which absolutely has an effect on your insulin levels and how your body responds to it. So that will change your insulin requirements. Um, They're playing sports. They're active. When you're having activity, it's going to reduce your insulin levels um, or your response to insulin. So you may see a decrease in blood sugar. Um, Say if kids are stressed for a test coming up, that could totally play. I remember a when I took my SATs, I was stressed about it in high school and my blood sugar dropped in the middle of the test. Wow. And um, we can talk about signs of a low blood sugar versus a high blood sugar because I think that's really important for you to yeah. know as a nanny and a caretaker what that sign looks like and how to prepare because that's probably the most emergent situation you'll see. Yeah. But day in and day out, the, the child, the kid is going to have a regimen from the pediatrician or from the endocrinologist on how much insulin to take uh, for the carbohydrate count in the foods they eat. So most most foods, well, not most foods, but a lot of the times you'll have a nutrition fact label and I'll have the total carbohydrate count. And, and all this will be laid out. This is not something you have to figure out on your own. Right. So you won't have to go and say, ah, like, let me guess that if this has 24 grams, I should give him six units of insulin. There's, there's no, the math should be done by the pediatrician and the parents should be really well versed in how that math is applied to, um, the child's insulin levels. Um, but just, those are, that is a really good reminder. I don't want you to like, like right. right. I don't want to, (laughs) because there's different variables in how, how much an, uh, how much a kid needs at what age? Um, and the typically, all of this episode is just general education. Yes. So, <laughs> if you are such, for a child yes. with type one diabetes, also do other research. Also, yes, uh, and talk with to, the parents. Yeah, which talk is, with and talk with talk with your kid. Yeah, he's gonna he or she is going to know what they need to do, whether or not they do it is a different story, but they will know because this is something that we do uh, four to six times a day. Yeah. So 
Typically with injections, there's a couple ways to get insulin. You can do it through injections or you can do it through pump therapy. So if you see a, um, one of your kids who has type 1 diabetes and they have like a like a beeper looking thing on their uh, hanging off their shorts or their belt, or maybe they have this coin. I would Google insulin pumps. It, it's okay. better to get a visual. Up. It's good to know because it does look, they, they look a little funny. They look like beepers. And I've had people confuse, you know, me wearing an insulin yeah. pump and they're like, why is your cell phone there? And why is it from 95? I'm like, well, uh, and then you just don't want to explain to it. It's like, oh, my cell phone plan's weird. And then you walk yeah. away. I like beepers better. I like beepers better. So whatever. But, um, so that your pump therapy is really popular with kids. So you may see that. And, um, if you come across an insulin pump, just, making sure that it stays dry is good uh -huh. that it's not cracked most most insulin pumps are water resistant but i would just be cautious with keeping it underwater if they're in the swimming pool uh taking bath just the, and again they should know what to do and the parents should know what to do so come, whatever their rules that they've set in the house um is something that i would go by but just being aware that hey this is an insulin pump it's giving my child medication 24-7, and we're going to change it every three days. Um, and then maybe you can sit down and have the child teach you how to use it and kind of get them excited about diabetes. It's always my goal with kids uh, when I work with them is to get them excited and empowered and encouraged by having diabetes and a chronic illness. If you make it cool, then they will want to show you how it works and do stuff with it or right. and then also just yeah. them teaching you the ability for them to to teach you about something that they know so well um or are still figuring out because one of the best ways to learn something is to teach other people so providing them with that opportunity is invaluable and um and so that they'll open up to their friends about it. Mm -hmm. They've worked with kids who've been bullied at school when yeah. you don't really want to it's such it's diabetes is um I call it purgatory because it's you're you're not sick enough to have this like illness that sends you into the hospital where you go into remission or you have some sort of chemo or radiation therapy and and you may have a relapse later. It's it's not like that sick, but it's also you're sick enough to die in a week if you don't take care of it. It's this right. weird middle ground that's all on the inside of your body. You don't have any mark on the outside of your body, like a broken arm or you're missing an eyeball. There's nothing that says, okay, this is the disease state I have. So it's very difficult sometimes to explain how it makes you feel or what you have to do or why you have to do it when you're a 10-year-old talking to another 10-year-old who just cares about video games. Yes. So getting <laughs> Until them... they invent a video game. <laughs> they do. They have something called Jerry the Bear. You've got it. What? It's so cool. Jerry the Bear. Nannies, if you're out there, Jerry the Bear is so cool. Um, to, oh, oh, my God. Uh, to... Um, engineers i believe from mit it could be harvard but i think mit I'm who really came up with engineering school right oh my god yeah just like super smart and they wanted an interactive way to teach kids how to manage their diabetes so i, I remember in the show i told you you get a teddy bear when you're diagnosed to teach the teddy bear how to take 
insulin injections, or you practice on an orange. Now they have this super high-tech bear called Jerry the Bear, um, who has like a video game pouch on his stomach, and it does like carb counting and pump therapy. It's it is so so cool. That's amazing. Okay, so two different routes back to that of either injections, and if you are doing injections um with a child then it's a certain amount of a certain amount of units is that correct correct it's a certain amount of units it can come from a traditional vial um Mm -hmm. which holds a thousand units in one vial um and or it can come in a pin form this disposable inject injection pin it's called uh there's three or four different companies that have insulin types the main insulin types you'll see are novolog chemolog lantus levamir and traceba those are the five that you'll see most often so kids are giving insulin at meals mm-hmm. and at night normally at nighttime okay. um right before they go to bed um because uh they'll need a basal it's 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 kind of complicated science, but it's, um, they'll give a bolus or short-acting insulin with meals and a, a long-term insulin that covers your basal rate all day long because your pancreas is normally giving you insulin 24-7, and then it gives you little spurts of insulin when you eat. Okay. And that's what a pump will do on the outside of your body with one type of insulin. And if you take injections, you need that long-term control and then short mealtime control. And um, it's important just... Probably something you will see, you do once uh, once a vial or a pen device is in use, meaning you have punctured the top of it with a needle, um, either to draw insulin out or with a uh, pen needle on top of the pen device, you do not have to refrigerate it. That is something you, you will encounter. Do I need to refrigerate this medication I actually when I take it places? I actually about that. <laughs> yes. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good. That's as you were talking. I was like, oh, I wonder if it has to be refrigerated. Because you'll you'll take they'll take this insulin everywhere they go. They'll be in a hot car with it, and you'll be worried about it. You want to make sure it works. Um, right. And what you want to do is you do want to keep it at room temperature once it's in use. But if it's not in use, so prior to using it and puncturing it with a needle. I keep saying puncturing because I, I worked for a pharmaceutical company. We had to. This is how we had to explain it. It has a shelf life. Each insulin has a different shelf life um, and a different of uh, a different use life. So, Lantus has a use life of twenty eight days, meaning that once you puncture the top of that bottle or the top of that pen, you have twenty eight days to use the rest of the insulin before they recommend going to a new pen or going to a new vial. Whether or not you stick with that is it's not realistic, but just prior to use, put it in the refrigerator, not in the freezer, but in the refrigerator. And once it's in use, I'll have one device, uh, usually in use of a type of insulin, then keep it at room temperature. So when you're on, if you're going to the beach, if you're going to be outside on a hot day in the park, if you're going to be inside a car all day and it's going to be hot, then I would put it in a, in an ice box in a lunch box that has, uh, like a cooler in it or uh, just a little ice pack. Yeah. A little ice pack. That's what I would do um, just to make sure that it stays around room temperature, but it doesn't need to be stored in there. Okay. That's so good to know. It's interesting. And every insulin is different. 
and most of the time, you're not really looking. And honestly, even expired insulin works. It's just, uh, it's through manufacturing label. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even go there. You don't need to know it, but that's kind of like the, the go-to. Refrigerate prior to use, once in use, keep it at room temperature. That's awesome. Okay. So we also kind of earmarked a few minutes ago um, low blood sugar versus high blood sugar and talking yes. about the signs of those. Yes. Um, so low blood sugar, high blood sugar is called hypoglycemia and hyperglycemia. So low blood, high blood, um, or low sugar in the blood, high sugar in the blood. Right. Uh, so the signs of high blood sugar, hyperglycemia are very much like the signs that you'll see uh, prior to diagnosis. You'll see extreme thirst, urination, fatigue. They'll be taking you know, unwarranted naps and, uh, they'll have increased appetite. Um, so it's just kind of like an acute or a short duration of what happens prior to diagnosis. That's hyperglycemia. And the way that you treat hyperglycemia is with more insulin. Mm-hmm. You have too much sugar in the blood. You need insulin to break it all down and to put it into different places. It, it doesn't technically break it down. That's a science faux pas, but to, to put it into different places, you need insulin for high blood sugar. Uh, and you'll see that often. Sometimes if a dose is miscalculated and you give too little insulin for a meal, maybe you'll have a high blood sugar two hours later. This Sugars fluctuate all the time because we're eating and doing things differently all the time. Low blood sugar is the one that I want you to know. If you take away one thing, take away the diabetes, take away the refrigerating, and take away this, low blood sugar is is serious. So the brain, how your brain gets energy and what it gets its food from is glucose. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have enough glucose in your body, that's where it all goes to. It shunts right up to the brain. Uh, So if if you have low blood sugar, you're not feeding your brain. You have some serious neurological deficits and complications. Um, If left untreated or if you have... an incredible amount of hypoglycemic events over a long period of time. So it's more serious than I initially gave thought to when I was first diagnosed. And the more that I learn about it from the science perspective, low blood sugars are, are dangerous. Mm -hmm. So what will happen is you'll, you'll feel um, dizzy and shaky. I'll look at my hand and I'll have this kind of fine tremor to it. Um, I'll feel nauseous. I'll be sweating. Um, my, my the lowest my blood sugar has been. So if you if you think about it, kind of on a on a scale, eighty to one twenty is what we shoot for. Eighty to zero is all you can go to. Zero is the last number. You can go from one twenty up into the thousands for hyperglycemia. So hypo, you have such a low threshold that below 50 is technically diagnosed, that's a hypoglycemic event. You may feel hypo at 70, but the actual diagnosis is below 50. And how you treat it, you need sugar. If if you're if it is a serious event, nannies, caretakers, whoever is paying attention, if it is a serious event, you, you and they're not awake, if they're not conscious, if they're not talking back to you, if they can't open their eyes, then uh 
all families should have a glucagon shot on hand. And I think that as a caretaker, you should be trained to know how to use it. It's almost like the diabetes version of an EpiPen. And glucagon is glucose. It's really concentrated sugar that goes IM or intramuscularly. Mm -hmm. And you're going to give that into their thigh. That, that is in a very serious dire situation. I've had diabetes for almost 15 years. I've never used it. Um, my sister has never been in that situation. She's had it for almost 25 years. So it's yeah, rare that you, rare, but, but, important but you might have to use it all. Like you should EpiPen. have it. It's like, yeah, it's like an EpiPen and that's kept in the refrigerator. Um, it's just high dose glucose that goes right into the muscle. Um, and that will bring them out of that low blood sugar. If they're talking to you, they're going to know the symptoms. Well, they, there's also something called hypoglycemia unawareness, which actually, um, uh, some of the kids from the show ha- have that. It's They can't tell when their blood sugar is low. So you can have like oh, wow. diabetes dogs to help them figure out. That's that's for another episode. There's so many cool things you can do with diabetes. Yes. But if they're talking to you um, and they're saying, I'm low, I feel tremors, and you check the blood sugar with them, it's – if it's – for me, this is – I would talk to a pediatrician, talk to your parents, right. but for me, if it's below 80, if it's be- if it's in the seventies or below, um, then giving them around 20, 15 to 20 grams of carbohydrates. So good things to have on hand in the house or good things to have in your purse, your backpack, your pocket, whatever, when diaper you're bag. walking or diaper bag. Yes. Have these on hand, have juice boxes and doesn't mm-hmm. have to stay cool. Juice boxes. Um, uh, we'll usually have 15 to 20 grams of carbohydrates for each of those juice boxes or gummy packs. I for I treat lows with gummies, and I'm, uh, people who are around me will see me just chomping on gummies. That's usually because I'm <laughs> preventing a low or I feel it coming on. Um, gummies are good to have. They say textbooks will tell you eight ounces of orange juice or a soda with sugar, not a diet soda, but like real Coke, Sprite. Any sort of form of sugar needs to get into that kid's body. So if you want to make sure they eat it and ingest it, that's that's called a PO route. Oral route is the best. If they're talking to you, if they have not gone unconscious, and that's more the lows that you're going to see, and you'll you will definitely see that as a caretaker of a type one, you will see that. I I have lows frequently, which I'm working on, <laughs> but. Um, yeah. But that's having those on hand at all time. And if you um say if you're taking care of older kids, sixteen year old kids who are driving, make sure that they have those in the car. Or say that you're taking care of the the younger kids in the family or in the household and they have an older brother with type one, make sure they have glucose tablet. Glucose tablets are another good one. You can get those at Walgreens. Uh about four of those, I believe, will equal to fifteen to twenty grams. But the rule that they say um, is that you should do 15 to 20 grams when you feel a hypo or you've tested your blood sugar and it's, for me, less than 80 or less than 50 from textbook. Then you ingest or eat the 20 grams and then you wait to 15 minutes. So it's like Mm -hmm. 15, wait 15, Mm -hmm. check it again. If it hasn't come up, do another 15 grams, wait 15 minutes. If it hasn't come up, you repeat it until it comes up because sometimes it just takes a long time to come up. Um, But that is something you'll see. Have those things on hand, have more than you need on hand. And the, the kids should feel it. If you see them shaking, 
that's a sign. Or if you see them acting weird, because remember, that's the glucose goes to the brain. If the brain's not getting the food it needs, they're going to start acting weird. It's called alter mental status, AMS. And uh, they may have a slurred speech. They may be fussy. They may be agitated. They may try to fight you. It's they they need sugar and you're and, and usually I get really hungry. I get ravenously hungry because my body is saying I need food. Um, so I keep those on hand. That actually and it's really important. I can't even stress the importance of that. Yeah, and that's really really great advice because as nannies we almost always keep some sort of food and for you know specific kids different specific foods to meet their needs um but yes having more than you think you'll need um and and checking that literally every time before you leave um is just as important as an EpiPen for allergy kids or you know any anything that you need um, and helping the family too. Say the family doesn't have a glucagon injection. Be like, hey, I listened to this really awesome podcast, <laughs> and I've heard that maybe we need a glucagon injection just in case you know worst comes to worst. Um, and maybe maybe that's something that you can put on your resume that you know how to do is inject yeah. a glucagon injection, which is really like if you can help save a kid's life. I mean, right. that's that's a. I think that's a real. It's it's similar to an EpiPen, so if you know how to use an EpiPen, you'll know how to use this. But but it's um, still really important to get trained on everything individually. And yeah, if you haven't been trained on it and you work in a household with a child with type 1, then uh, asking, saying, hey, if you know, do you have a glucagon? And if you don't, then can we get one? And if you do, can I personally be trained on it? Um, absolutely yeah which, i mean a theme throughout this entire podcast is communication with parents oh, with kids all and of it is about communication and parents of type ones are hyper vigilant yeah they're the most hyper vigilant individuals you'll meet they are some of the most um special parents i think i have a heart for it because my parents are parents of type ones obviously but like working with jdrf um and just talking to their experience, it's hard for them to let go because they, especially if they grow up with, if the kid is diagnosed really young, let's say before, if if you're nine, if you're 10, you may be able to start doing your own injections. You may be able to start checking your own blood sugars and being fine. But if you're four or five years old at diagnosis, the parents are giving the injections. The parents are changing the insulin pumps. The parents are checking their blood sugars. I know parents who have continued to wake up in the middle of the night and take their child's finger and check it to make sure that it is okay in the middle of the night and the child's in high school. Yeah. So these parents are yeah. going to be hyper vigilant because they they are they are their child's lifeline. The the child has to learn the habits from the parents. And um, we should do a podcast sometime about parents trusting kids with diabetes because it's really that's another social aspect of diabetes that is really hard and and much harder unless i guess you have a kid that has it so if they're trusting you with their kid with diabetes that means a they trust you a lot Mm -hmm. which is good and they will they will tell you everything that they want you to know right they're they're gonna have a list they're gonna have printouts they're gonna have apps on their phone with carbohydrate counters which is another good thing to have on your phone there's calorie king um there's one other two that are 
are good for counting carbs, but um, talking with, so talk with your parents. They will want to talk to you about it. They will be excited that you care. Yeah. And with that, let's transition into the emotional um, health of the child uh, and how you as a caregiver and a nanny can help them. I love the idea about having the child teach you if they're of a speaking age. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Having them show you how to do everything and just really like leaning into the student role in that of like, I, you know, even if you've listened to this podcast and you feel super informed, not correcting the child's and um, unless yes. they have something wrong that would be dangerous. Um, right. If but, you, you see know, letting yeah. them lead. Yeah. Or and, and getting them excited, like, wow, like checking your blood sugar, even have them check your blood sugar. I've yeah. che I checked all of our cast blood sugar to let them know what it feels like. I feel like it took a lot for yours, right? Did it we did. check yours? We did. And it we was. did. But yeah, I was like, I don't like needles. <laughs> right. It's, it's so even just like man, if you're a nanny out there or caretaker and you are scared of needles, like, hey, now's the time to conquer that fear and maybe – once you change the needle out so that you're not sharing needles, right. you, can have, you can check your blood sugar with the child. That's, I, I would say that's completely fine. It yeah, may. And telling the child like this really scares me and I can only imagine you oh, know, how yeah. it feels for you. Oh, totally. That kind of, uh, that kind of strength giving, um, being empathetic, but also just like saying, man, you, it's not only like, I think you're special because I have to say you're special, but I think right. you're special, like, because you really do have to conquer one of, your, one of my greatest fears four to six times a day. Um, and, and that will just inevitably empower the kid to, uh, the goal I think is to get them to, to like diabetes because if you don't like it at the beginning then it's going to be really hard to like it <laughs> so it just keeps going on um but i yeah i think that's good empowering them that and you were talking about that's such a great a great thing to play the student role get them to teach you how to count carbs get them to teach you uh, everything how to give injections maybe you can give injections to an orange or maybe you can um help out with changing a pump because they may know how to do it. Um, even just getting them to talk, talk to you about it will be good. And they may be very resistant. There's a lot of emotional, I can, I can bring up a few examples. This is like, do we have time for that? Yeah. Is that good? I mean, okay. do you have time? That's the issue. Oh my God. Yeah, Martha. Yes. Okay. Yes. I totally. Um, so I keep thinking of like, high school this may i'll try to think of a, an elementary school or a middle school example but high school so remember from the diagnosis stage you may see weight loss with hyperglycemia or high blood sugars there will be girls and i've worked with girls i haven't worked with boys yet though where i found this but it would be the same for both genders will purposely not give insulin or have chronically high blood sugars to keep weight off because insulin is a growth hormone. It can make you gain weight and weight in high school is, is a big issue. So they'll, it's almost like some kids who smoke to stay thin, or maybe that's an adult thing, but that happens with hyperglycemia. They'll, they'll lose weight and keep it off and stay thin, but the complications later on are not worth it. 
or maybe I've worked with a kid um, who would go to school every day and a bully would come up and pull his insulin pump out of his body. His oh, insulin pump had wires and he'd go every day. So he had, he ended up being homeschooled. This is a fourth grader. Wow. It's like kind of that, like, I don't even know how, well, A, to describe the wrath I feel whenever I even think about that story, but it's like he, he feels disabled from it. And these kids with type one diabetes are not disabled no. at all. They're capable of doing everything that a kid without type one diabetes can do. They just have to now I don't even want to say work harder. They just have to do it differently. Do it differently and they and they're better for it. A, they're smarter at math for it because you're constantly doing mental math. But you're these kids are braver, more courageous, um, for doing those same things despite their their constant battle with um, blood glucose without insulin. But they're going to, I think things that you'll encounter as a nanny is maybe like the, the idea of a cure. Will it go, go away? Um, so things that you can say to them, if they ever ask you, there are, there's research all going on all the time at many different sites around the world that are working on a cure for type one diabetes. So, and, and we can go into the science about that later, but there, there are viable options. I would not be surprised if diabetes is cured sooner than we think. So that's something that you can say to them, maybe not saying that, yes, it, there's a cure right now and you can get it, but um, giving them a little bit of hope is is a good thing, is a good conversation starter. But these kids might be sad. They might not want to talk to you about it. They may have a day full of bad blood sugars and no matter how much insulin they give or how many right things they do with chronic carbohydrates, they may never get it right. I've had so many days, I've had so many days. One example, today this happened. I've been trying to like drink more water and less coffee. And so I drank a lot more water than usual. And you know, you end up going to the bathroom a lot more. And then I check my blood sugar and it's 450. I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? So I've had I I, th I thought I was going to the bathroom because I was doing something good when really it's a high blood sugar. And it's, and it's just, it's discouraging. Um, so maybe if you get out their logs, they'll probably most likely have a log with them where they're writing down their blood sugars. Or if you go through um, their, uh, sometimes kids will have something called a continuous glucose monitoring system. There is so much that goes into diabetes and so much different technology. Um, they, uh, you can go through and look at their good blood sugars. This is what, um, an endocrinologist out in California who has type one diabetes, this is what he does with his kids who come in to see him. He'll go through their logs and circle the good blood sugars and say, what did you do? on this day and how can we make that day happen every day? And that's something that you can easily do um, as an any or caretaker um, for your kids. So that endo um, I'm going to end up uh, doing a rotation with, and I'm really, really excited. That's great. He's Oh my God. The way that he treats is so like uplifting from a chronic illness standpoint, because he really like, he has bad blood sugars all the time. So it's, it just makes it so much more realistic. Yeah, and to also like, yeah, focus on 
what kids are doing right is just so oh is is that is that okay i was gonna ask if that's kind of consistent with what you believe and do yes okay yeah it's it's especially when it's every day if you always go to the bad blood sugars my mom and my sister have had so many blowouts over that especially when she was in middle school high school yeah i can only imagine and just yeah really thinking through the empathy of that of because imagine like you know we all try to eat well but imagine like making a quote-unquote mistake in a in a food choice really having having serious consequences um that's that's a really really hard thing of like i don't ever get to like let my guard down really about this yeah oh yeah yeah it's 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 constant in and that's when kids get depressed and i don't i i, I don't want to be super sad but there no, there is no i don't mind su- getting into some some of the sad parts yeah there is suicide with yeah. there's depression and suicide with kids with diabetes and they I, this is not something i want you as caretakers or nannies to to think too much or hone too much into but they have you know a device that can totally kill them if they wanted to too much insulin boom and that's happened before there's been documented cases so it's it's much more that's that's why i i don't like type 1 diabetes being thrown into the diabetes bucket because it's five percent of this diabetes population that has a completely different manifestation and prognosis um so it's uh just if if encouraging them encouraging them lifting them up they're going to be their endocrinologists, maybe their parents are going to be on them about bad blood sugars because part of taking care of a kid with a chronic illness is tough love. They, you don't want them to chronically have bad blood sugars and, and I don't even want to say bad, high blood sugars or low blood sugars. And then, uh, and then they have complications 20 years later where they're like, where, where was my parenting? Where was the, where was the parental control? In this, so you don't want you don't want too much of a laxity. You want to be proactive about um, blood sugars that are with outside of the normal range because there are serious consequences that can happen with running blood sugars out of eighty to one twenty for a long time. So you want to yeah. be proactive, but you want to be encouraging and uplifting so that they want to be proactive about it. And if you do and that as a job, team, like yeah, think about it as like we are all a team here to helping keep all of us like healthy. And yes. so this is part of, of our, our team's way of keeping you healthy. Um, instead of focusing on like, we have to, like you are, you know, the one that we need to pay the most attention to. It's like, no, we all totally. are watching all aspects of our health. And this is an aspect of your health that, uh, yeah. needs extra attention maybe. And you can, I've, I've known, well, really when our, when my sister was diagnosed, we changed a lot of the things that we had in our refrigerator and we had sodas. Sodas aren't great by the way, but, um, yeah. like I think changing, we all like, <laughs> but yes, we have sodas, like it's life. Like whenever, maybe if your special thing with the kid you're taking care of loves diet Coke, maybe you don't drink regular coke in front of them maybe you share a diet coke with them that's a small gesture to know that like 
like what they're doing is cool and the change the dietary changes they've had to make quick side note on dietary changes mm-hmm. because we i don't think i mentioned that like the kids with diabetes can't eat sugar myth that is a myth or if you're seeing your kids and you're taking them out and they have type 1 diabetes and you're concerned about what they're eating they go through coaching with a nutritionist the rule of thumb used to be that we that we want to really stay low carb um, and stay away from like refined sugars, stuff that can spike their blood sugars really easily or spike later. Like pizza tends to have a later spike. Three to four hours after eating it, you may notice a high blood sugar. Um, but now the kind of what they want with this whole empathetic way of treating diabetes is to have kids be like other kids. And so... Typically, you you can eat what you want as long as you cover for it. And that's going to be a pediatrician parent question to ask. But don't be scared or don't be nervous or don't tell your kid, kid, you can't eat that. Because right. that's that, that will make a lasting impact. Right. For sure. You can't <laughs> eat that means that what I'm doing is bad and everybody else gets to do it. Right. And that kind of that, – that will stick with them. Just – talking to the parents and saying, Hey, I want to know typically what he or she, Timmy, Jill, Timmy or Jill. I don't know what those names are, but (laughs) whether or not like what they're eating is, is what you want. And if they're covering correctly for it. Um, So that's another sugar myth that has to be dispelled. Yeah, no, that's a great note because I, I do, I feel like that's so like in our pop culture about diabetes is like no sugar. And so Right. And it's impossible. Everything it's not even like you count carbohydrates. So right. a salad will have carbohydrates. Yeah. Um good things. An apple has tons of carbohydrates. Right. Fruits. It's vegetables. Like you have to count for that. So but anyways, that's a that's a side note. But you're right. But the, yeah, and also like pointing out that um, a healthy diet is a healthy diet is a healthy diet, you know, like, absolutely, like you can't eat that. Like, Mm. maybe we shouldn't have that because you've already had these other sugars today or um, 100% on a, everybody has to do this level, not you have to do this because you have this chronic illness, because then it makes it feel like they it's their fault for having diabetes. It's like the blame game parents will go through that too. It's my fault. My kid has type one diabetes. And it's, it's not true. Right. But yeah, yeah. And, And keeping that in mind, with parents too, especially if you happen to be in the household, when a child is being diagnosed of of being there as much as you can for the parents as well oh uh, yes um because that is it's a hard transition for an entire family (laughs) absolutely it's your world is just flipped upside down especially if if you've never seen diabetes you don't that maybe there's nobody else in the school who has diabetes um, know that you'll probably have a uh, in Tennessee it's a 504 plan mm-hmm. at the school. Um, making sure as a caretaker to know like that there's some sort of um, plan of action for how diabetes is going to be treated once the child goes to school is a good conversation to have with the administration, with the school nurse, and with the parents. That's, yeah, but that's really good to think about that will be they they will because there's because diabetes is pretty it's it's prevalent most schools have at least one kid with 
type 1 diabetes. So there'll be something in place, but knowing that they have a right to leave and go to the bathroom, a right to check their blood sugar, a right to go to the nurse and get their insulin and take time out of class for that is important for them. And my sister and I would totally abuse that. <laughs> go hang out in the nursing office and have Diet Cokes and peanut butter crackers. And like, you just have to have, I don't know, you just have to break the rules. There's even stuff at theme parks. Theme parks have special things for kids with type 1 diabetes where you can like skip the line. Like look up those things and take advantage of it so that they feel special. Yeah. I've done that at Six Flags. Yeah. I've gone through the exit and you just, you, you have a pass. You got it. You, it. you you could take advantage. If you have to give shots up many times a day, take advantage. <laughs> Use it. That's a really good point. And then, yeah, I mean, um, we have an episode about bullying, um, not specific about bullying for this but that would be a good episode to listen to in conjunction with this but also keep in mind um, that bullying might be going on. Any kid in a school system that is quote unquote different in any way shape or form is a potential target for bullying. Um, so yeah, really uh, allowing, holding space for your child to come talk to you and in that episode we talk about how a lot of times children will are more likely to talk to a nanny about it than a parent um so you know asking every day you know how did your day go or there's a list of 50 other questions that you can ask of like who did you play with and and it doesn't have to be about uh their blood sugar levels you know like just really checking in with the kid every day about how school is going uh, is absolutely important. oh absolutely so that diabetes becomes just another normal thing that you do it's not the thing yeah um, that's great Martha that was good that was good advice you. I love thank it you. you must like know what you're talking about <laughs> some days <laughs> I'm trying to learn more every day um <laughs> But yeah, and and so my biggest takeaways, and I would love for you to add uh, to this list anything that you think, Andy. Sure. Um, but having checking your diaper bag, your backpack, your car, whatever, when you leave the house for having extra um, sugar, sugary treats. Um, gummies. I love that idea about gummies. Although don't get the sugar-free kind one because they don't have sugar and two because I hear that they <laughs> ravage right. your intestinal system. Right. Just some Welches. Let's just, just some... plug for them right now. Yeah, let's do. <laughs> um, or juice boxes or anything. Juice boxes are great. Yeah. But and taking probably twice as many as you, you know, or three times. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, as many as – not as many as you can fit. I, just enough uh, – three or four because you'll keep them in there. Gummies probably don't, you know, perish easily. So you can just always have something in there. Glucose tablets have a big pack of like 100 tabs. That's kind of looks like a – not like the small uh, – it's not a small bottle. It's a big bottle. Um, and those are easy to throw into a diaper bag as well. And you can always have those on. So you won't have to keep refilling. Talk talk to your uh, kids, all of them, everyone in the family, really, about yes. how they're feeling and be 
be just an open door for them to to talk and know that they might not want to um and that's okay uh and you can also listen to our episode that was literally last week about uh play as the language of a kid uh how often they will tell you things in play that they can't communicate uh straightforward with words <laughs> um so being aware uh of how they're playing especially if you're taking care of a really young kid with type 1 that's really important because they they might they might not have the vocabulary yet to tell you man <laughs> I really feel frustrated. Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. So just holding space for them and allowing them to talk to you when they're ready and being constantly able to listen, uh, which we all try to practice every day as nannies. Um, and some days are better than others. And also never punishing a child for their uh, their blood sugar. <laughs> Because yes. It's not their fault. Oh my. Yes. It's not. It's really not. Just saying, how can we solve this problem? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Working towards a solution and and, and fixing the problem. If, if they have a bad blood sugar, we gotta we gotta give insulin yeah. or not bad, just high blood sugar, high blood sugar, low blood sugar. Yep. Treat the problem. Yep. Exactly. I get them all the time. I've had it for fifteen years. It's it's something that you will not get perfect. Um, even with me, I, I think about diabetes all the time and it's part of my profession and I still don't get it right. So, yeah. so kids will inevitably. Of you of, as yes, a as, absolutely. Absolutely. And neither will it be a reflection of uh, the child with type one. Yes, exactly. Um, so yeah. Any other huge big takeaways that you think we should re-highlight right here at the end? Um, no, that's good. That's good. Um, yeah, just be kind, be patient, and and um, and just love the heck out of the kid. Like yeah. they're gonna need it. If it's around the diagnosis, they're really gonna need it. You always need positive reinforcements. It's a chronic illness. It's never going away as of now. So just checking in, just checking oh, in and, and being there for also them. Look for um, walk for the cure. Uh, yes oh yes go, go with your kids let your kids see you there supporting them there are camps there um i mean if you want to google jerry the bear as a present yeah. for kids if you want to google camps children with diabetes.com is another good website jdrf um jdrf.org is the it's a national nonprofit that's juvenile that's basically focused for type one uh and fundraisers for research um children with diabetes is just it's an awesome website um it has there's there's a disney world trip they do every year there's forums there's online forums and blogs they have uh, there's a lot of online social media presence with type 1 diabetes um so just getting them getting involved with that is 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 going to be really really great for the kid and for you and your relationship with them. Is there anything that that you want to plug personally? Oh, uh, no. Um well, I guess Andy and the Beats. I, I don't have a website. I'm so bad with this. I've um 
I continue to work on the show, and um, I'm I've written a children's book version of it that an artist friend of mine from South Carolina has put together wonderful illustrations for. Um, so in the future, you can Google Andy and the Beats. There's videos on YouTube if you want to see some of uh, the scene work. Martha is in it. Andy and the Beats, check it out. I will. Um, I will continue to work on this until the day I die. So hopefully you'll see it. It's a fun show. Um, um, and Martha was fantastic. She was the first mama. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I will. I will also be putting up pictures throughout this week on uh, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. So check all of those out. Chronicles of Nannia will get you there every time. You can also visit chroniclesofnannia.com for more information. Um, I will probably link to some of the websites that Andy referenced um, so that you can get there uh, on chroniclesofnannia.com. So uh, we end every episode with a, a funny, uplifting, uh, moving story. Um, and Andy has brought one, uh, a personal one, which I, I love. Yes. Yeah. Oh, this is my favorite kind of tearjerker, um, story with diabetes. It was when my sister was first diagnosed. Um, she was, she was again, she was nine, I was seven and we were going to our first walk to cure diabetes by juvenile diabetes research foundation. It was in Knoxville's, uh, world's fair park. And we did this mm -hmm. big walk and it was so beautiful. And she was so uplifted because she was surrounded by friends or, or new friends that and other kids that had type one diabetes and she didn't know anybody. So it's just, it was a big, like wonderful, like just like happy day. And so we finished the walk, finished the walk as a family. And literally, as we cross the finish line, she just starts jumping up and down with joy. She's grinning from ear to ear. She's tugs on my mom's shirt. And she's like, we did it. We did it. Mom's like, yeah, we finished the walk. And she's like, no, uh, I'm cured. And she thought that walk to cure diabetes literally meant that you got a cure at the end of the walk. And my mom, like, said that's the worst moment of her life was when she had to explain to her that diabetes is a lifelong disease. It's never going away. And that's the conversation that hopefully in, in my profession and in my career that parents or caretakers won't have to have with their kids. Right. Um, but the, the those walks are really great, great events to go to that if you want to be uplifted and see a bunch of kids just be empowered by something that usually would bring down anybody else um it's worthwhile for sure yes i had a blast at the one that i walked with you yes doing the musical um, won't you walk with us that's my tagline yes i love it um but yeah yeah it's really um it's a great experience. Um, and then also just, you know, there's a lot uh, to donate to right now. There's a lot of people in need, but consider JDRF um, because it's, it's yes. a great cause. And, and really over 85% of what they bring in goes straight to research. So not just even like education, it's research for a cure. They, yeah. They're really, really good about advances in technology and advances towards ending it which is it's they're a really great company that's wonderful thank you for that uh personal 
Uh, oh, anytime for you, Martha. Yeah. Anytime. Um, well, gosh, Andy, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This oh, my wonderful. God. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. It's, it's a privilege to talk to you. And this is uh, one of my this is my biggest passion uh, in life. So I'm just happy to share stories and um, and happy to share with your audiences, too. If you're listening to this, you're doing a great thing because you're helping kids. And if everybody else could help kids, we just have we would have a better world. It's so true. So true. Uh, and thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Chronicles of Nania is produced and hosted by Martha Reddick. Artwork by Noni Amadon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudio.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nania and on Twitter at Nania Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnania at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.